Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Open your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1. Verse 1, I'm pumped about this sermon. I think it's really going to help some people. I told Liz this yesterday when we were getting ready. And I'm just going to give you a heads up. At the end of today's message, we don't do this often, but we're going to have some altar time. What does that mean for those who don't grow up in church? Um, We're going to invite some of our leaders, some of our prayer team to come to the altar and pray for those who need prayer. We don't do it always, not because we're anti that. We do that always on first Thursdays. Um, We don't do it always because if anybody's new to church, you know, we just don't want to I don't know, weird you out, I guess. I don't know why that would be weird, but we just don't make it a regular habit. But today, today we really felt like uh, God was going to do something special in your life. So if you've been praying, if this was like you're, I don't really want to go to church, but you came anyway, I'm glad that you did. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, through the screen, I believe God's going to do something powerful in your life. And everybody at church believes it. Amen? Amen. Amen. That was, amen was for you on the other side of your screen. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1. Then we turned back and set out toward the wilderness. Somebody say the wilderness. Along the route or route. How do you say it? Route or route? On three. One, two, three. Okay. For a long time, we made our way around the hill country of Seir. Then the Lord said to me, you have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. We read that passage last Sunday. I'm going to continue in verse 7. We didn't read this. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey. This is what I really want to hit home. Journey through this vast wilderness, these 40 years. And the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. My topic for today is a wilderness survival guide. A wilderness survival guide. We are going to get you through your wilderness this Sunday. And for a lot of people, that is not exciting news. Not because you like the wilderness, but because you don't want to get through it. You want to get out of it. All right. And actually what I want to provide you with today is a change of perspective, a shift in even your prayer. I don't think we need to pray to God. This should not be our prayer. God, get me out of this. However, that is our first prayer. Whenever our marriage begins to face some difficulties, whenever our health begins to face some difficulties, whenever our children or our loved ones begin to face some difficulties, God, get me out. And I want you to know that God never, ever, 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 ever promised that he'd get you out. He promised that he'd get you through. The verse said it'd be a journey through the wilderness. So I can't help you get out. I'm sorry. I can't help you get out because I don't know how to get out. If I could, I wouldn't be in a wilderness. But from time to time, I am. And honestly, if I didn't know how to get out, I probably wouldn't tell you. Because then you'd probably leave before you needed to. Someone said, well, well, if you can't tell me how to get out of it, can you at least tell me how to avoid it? Can we work on some prevention stuff here in church? No. Because I don't think you can avoid it. I think no matter where you are in life, no matter your season, no matter your age, no matter your stature, no matter your status, I don't think anybody can ever truly avoid this wilderness. Now, I'm going to need your imagination today. Um, I don't have the gift of prophecy, so I'm going to need you to fill in the blank. When I say wilderness, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm not asking you to put out your business. I'm just asking you not to pretend like you're perfect, okay? You're going through a wilderness right now. Somebody is. And if you're not, you're in one of three positions. You're either in it, about to leave it, 
or about to go into it. And so this is going to help you regardless. Not irregardless, because that's not a word. I just found that out recently. Regardless. There's no way to get out of it. There's no way to avoid it, but there is a way to navigate it. And I betray my own title with this next sentence, but there's also a way not to just survive it, but to thrive in it. That's what I want to really teach you. It begins with some context. Here's the context you need. The context is life is a journey, not a destination. Yeah, how many people have ever heard that before? Raise your hand. You've heard that statement before. Yeah, it's, it's pretty common. But I bet you don't know who said it. So we're going to play a little game of who said it. All right? I'm going to give you three people. Number one, who said it? Lynn Hugh, the famous theologian and pastor. Was it Rolf Waldo Emerson, the famous poet? Or was it... Aerosmith, the famous rock band. Well, you guys know Aerosmith. Don't make me sing. Don't close my eyes. Don't want to fall asleep because I... And I don't want to miss again. Even when I dream of you. The sweetest dreams will never do because I... And I don't want to. Everybody, let's worship. It's powerful, man. Steven Tyler's a prophet. A prophet. Love that song. You guys remember the movie? Was it Armageddon? Remember? It's good. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, these three people. Which one of them said it? And the answer is, everybody who thinks the philosopher, the theologian, raise your hand. Everybody who thinks the poet, raise your hand. Everybody who thinks Aerosmith, raise your hand. So secular, secular people. The answer is actually all three. It was a trick question. And I made it a trick question on a purpose because really, whether you come from, catch this, a church background, an academic background, or a secular background, everyone will face a moment in their life where they realize after all their hard work, wait, there's still more? It really doesn't matter where you grew up or how you grew up. If you're a rock star, you know, you can spend hours, like countless hours laboring over every note and tune and melody and beat and lyric and actually come up with a great song that gets a million hits on Spotify. And next week, you're not even in the top 10. It can happen. If you're an academic, you can spend your whole life getting smart, reading books, uh, going to conferences. I've worked with these people. They're geniuses. You know, they've got degrees. they got like eight degrees, all that. Listen, you can spend all your time gathering knowledge and still have questions. You could be a Christian, spend your whole life in church, know the Bible inside and out, know how to do the Holy Communion and all that stuff. <laughs> Listen, and with all that religion, still struggle. I'm not trying to depress anybody. What I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is, is show you that that this isn't the problem, that like music's not broken and that education's not broken and that the church is not broken and the Bible's not broken and God's not broken and his promises aren't broken, but there is something that needs fixing. It's your expectation of life, specifically the expectation of arrival, that there is this imaginary place that when I get to, I'll be done. And that's why we get disappointed in our faith because we think, man, but I gave my life to Jesus. I thought it was done. And it's an expectation of arrival that we have to avoid. My boys, we go to Disney twice a month. Um, not because I love it, because Liz loves it, and because she makes me do it. Or as we say in the house, I want to because I love you. Um, <laughs> so we do it. We do it. We go. You know, every time we go, twice a month, 
they always say the famous four words that every kid says from the backseat of their car. Are we there yet? And I'm like, you were just here a week ago. You know we don't get there in five minutes. Why do you keep asking this question? Well, they're children. They're going to be impatient. And so we tested that theory. And a couple weeks ago, we found out there was a nature trail by our house. So my wife and I took our two impatient kids on a two-hour walk in nature. How do you think that went? Ready? They loved it. Nobody complained. Nobody threw a fit. You know why? Because before we took off, we set the expectation. We said, we're not going anywhere. We're just walking. We're going to take in the trees. We're going to take in the butterflies. We're going to take in the animals. We're just going to have fun. And it was crazy because as soon as they abandoned their expectation of arrival, they were free to enjoy the journey. And I think if you would do the same, you might be able to stop complaining about where you're at and just enjoy where you're at. Because it's a journey, y'all. It's a journey. I wrote it like this because maybe I wanted it to stick with you. When you understand that the dream is not the destination, you can delight in the detours. When you understand that the point is not perfection, you can take pleasure in the process. When you understand that failure isn't final, you can find freedom in the frustration. When you understand that I'm just, you know, I used to go to the gym and I mean, I still do. Don't laugh so hard because it makes you feel like you don't believe me because you're judging me. I go and I'm actually really super duper proud of myself because this is the longest I've ever gone consecutively. All right. Yeah. Um, thank you for not clapping. At the 915, they clapped, but it wasn't like, no, no, don't do it because it was like it was. But it was you see, you're authentic. There was a more like, oh, keep going. It was like that. Like, don't give up. <laughs> It's pretty offensive. Um, but the reason why I've been able to stick with it for so long is because I changed my goal. I'm no longer destination driven. I used to go and I'm like, hey, the whole goal for me going to the gym, I want to get 10 pounds. I want to, I want to get stronger, 10 pounds. So if I'm doing you know, 130 this week, I want to do 140 on the bench next week. And I was doing that. That was good. But then I got hurt. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go down from, from 10 pounds to 5 pounds. I just want to get 5 pounds stronger. Then I got hurt again. Now, like, I just want to get two and a half pounds stronger. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't have those weights here. I'm like, okay. Um, and then, you know why I've been able to stick it out? Because I changed my goal. You know what my goal is now? Come back tomorrow. That's my goal. I just freed somebody right now. They said, well, you got to measure what matters. I measure what matters, but the most, thing, most important thing I measure is how many days a week I'm going. Because I'm, I'm starting to, this is your pastor. I know this sounds bad, but your pastor has given up. I've given up on trying to get somewhere because every time I get there, it, the target moves. So every time I think, well, I'll be happy when I get this. And then once I get it, I'm like, okay, when I get that. And so I've just given up trying to get somewhere and I'm going to enjoy getting. I'm going to enjoy walking. I'm going to enjoy the journey. I'm going to enjoy the process. And I've been able to stick with it. And I think you will be able to as well. Life is about the journey, pun definitely intended. That's why we named this church Journey. Because two years ago when we started the church, we looked around and we were like, has anybody arrived yet? No. They're like, how about you, pastor? I was like, nope. Oh, then we better call this church Journey. Why? So that one thing we have in common is not where we start, but where we're headed. Some people come to this church, you're at one walk, point in your faith. 
Other people come to this church, you had another point of this faith. You know why this is your church? Because we're all headed to the same point. What binds us is not our level of maturity. What binds us is our walk. It's our walk. It's our walk. We love this so much, we created a whole class around it called Next Steps, and I want to see you in it at the end of this service. We got food. We got child care. That's all we want to do. We want to help you find the next step. We love it so much, we made it a part of our vision statement. Our vision statement here at Journey is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. You know what each one of those are? A step. Last week, we talked about knowing God, coming through the water, having a relationship with him. And I need to clarify, because some people are like, all right, Pastor, well, I already took that step. I took that step to know my wife 10 years ago when we got married. But guess what I've been doing for the last 10 years? I'm getting to know her. It's not a step we take once, but it's a step we take every day. Today's step, however, is very personal to me. It's find freedom. And I think it's because I've wrestled with things for so long in my life. This is something I've, I've learned and I want to share it with you. Finding freedom. Now, we've been using the journey of the Israelites coming out of Egypt to kind of be the model or the metaphor of your spiritual journey in life. Last week, we talked about them coming out of Egypt. That was knowing God. This week, I'm telling you, they're going to find freedom. And if you're really paying attention, you ought to be confused right now. Because if you're paying attention, you ought to be think, saying to yourself, well, hold on. I thought they already found freedom when they came out of Egypt. I thought they already found freedom when the 10 plagues happened and they came through the water. I thought that was the whole thing. They were slaves and now they're not slaves. And, and, and so if you're paying attention, you're thinking, uh, I'm confused. I got good news for you. The Israelites were confused too. Because they thought the same thing. They go, hey, you already did the 10 plagues. You already drowned Pharaoh and all his horses in the water. I wasn't expecting to fight any more battles now. And so they come out of Egypt just ready to walk into the promise, not knowing that there's some more fights to fight. The first fight they fight is against thirst. Yeah, they got all the gold from Egypt. They got all the silver from Egypt, but no one thought to pack a bottle of water. And they're all thirsty, which is ironic because in the chapter earlier, water is what saves them. And in the chapter later, Water is what threatens to kill them because what got you out of one season isn't the same thing that's going to get you out of the next. That's why, you know, you got to be careful. Like, that's why when you listen to a worship song, like for like a month, it's your jam. And then the next song, you're like, this song sucks. It's depressing. I don't know. It's not doing a thing for me. Where are you, God? And he's like, I'm here. I just stepped out of that song because you were putting more trust in that song than you were in me. So now you need to find a new song. That's what the Bible says. It says, sing a new song unto God. Because I want you to keep coming back to the river. Keep coming back to the fountain of life. So sometimes the things that work, it doesn't work in every season. He always switches it up so you can put more trust in, in, him, in himself. The next thing they fight is hunger. The next thing they fight uh, are the Amalekites. And then after that, they create this golden calf. It was a whole deal. And God kills a bunch of them. And... Um, <laughs> I always kind of want to read that point fast because, like, you got a ton of questions when I said that, but we'll get there. Um, and, uh, and now they feel like they're fighting God. And here's the question. And then they get, no, and then they get to Kadesh Barnea, and they find out that on the edge of their promise are giants. And then this is what one of them says. The Bible says it was the people, but you know it was one guy first. There was one guy who, he's like, he's like so tell me about the promised land. And they're like, there's a bunch of giants. And there's this one guy, you know it. He, he's thinking about the water. He's thinking about the food. He's thinking about the Amalekites. He's like, no. No. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Moses, Moses, where you at? Moses, you're a liar. You said that we would be free. And here's my question. If I'm free, why am I still fighting? If I'm free, why am I still fighting? That was their question. 
That was my question for so many years, and I have a feeling that that's somebody's question here today. But I thought that when you got saved, but I thought that when you gave your life to Jesus, but I thought when you came out of the water, but I thought I didn't, here's what I need to tell you. No one ever told me you can be saved and not set free. Amen. I remember the last time I got, I got saved. I said the last time it's not theologically correct, but you know what I mean, yeah. right? Like once and for all, that's how God saves us. But like the last time, like I was all in, all in, like a lot of people were last Sunday when they came out that water. I was so confused when I went home and my girlfriend was still there. I was like, well, hold up. You know, I thought when I got saved, you know, she'd evaporate or something like that. Or, well, hold up. Why am I still struggling with temptation with this person? I don't understand. I thought that the blood of Jesus would, you know, neutralize my hormones. Like what's going on right now? What's going on right now? And I understood, I understood, I understood that freedom takes time. Time, time, time. It takes time. Why did it, why does it take time? It takes, it takes time. It might not be what you want to hear, um, but it takes time. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14. 38 years passed. 38 years. Hopefully that's not your timeline, but 38 years passed from the time we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zered Valley. Now you're going to find out why they had to wait and why you have to wait. By then, that entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp. As the Lord had sworn to them, the Lord's hand was against them until he had completely eliminated them from the camp. Now, when the last of these fighting men among the people had died, the Lord said to me, today you can pass by now. What was he waiting for? The fighting men to die. Here's what you have to understand about these fighting men. They represented a generation, a generation that grew up in slavery. They didn't know freedom. And so that was a problem because even though their wrists were free and their, their ankles were free, their mind was still in bondage. One pastor, and many pastors have said it since the beginning of time we've been preaching this verse, that God was able to get them out of Egypt, but not Egypt, out of them. They still fought like slaves. We know that they thought like slaves. And what does it mean to think like a slave? Because in Numbers 13, 31, when they're at the edge of the promise, they say to Moses, but the men went up to them. Moses, yeah, there we go. But then the men who had gone up with him said, here's what the people who were thinking like slaves said. We can't. That's a slave mentality. When you grow up with limitations, that's what you put over yourself, even though they no longer exist. And so here's how you know you're a slave to something. When the words around your struggle sound like this, always. It'll always be this way. It'll never get like that. This is impossible. There's no way God can. No one can. And that's a problem. And that's, that's that mentality that God was trying to shift. And he couldn't do it in their life, not because God couldn't, because they wouldn't, which is something you got to know about freedom. It's not that God doesn't give us freedom. It's that we refuse to walk in the thing that God gave us. That's a big difference. They refuse to walk in the land that God gave them. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is in the same people were another generation. Now, this generation grew up and was born around the time of the Red Sea. Why is that important? Because they never experienced subjugation. They only experienced salvation. All they knew was God saving them. They didn't know what it meant to be slaves. And now, please catch this, because God wants to bless this new generation. But, but he can't, and he wants, to, he wants to punish this old generation. David Ray was like, are you trying to tell us that God wants to kill us? Or that's what, and I was like, no. <laughs> so I don't mean old in age. I mean old in mentality. 
uh, he wants to make the transition from the old to new, but he can't. So here's why freedom takes time. Just catch this. Because God has to wait for the old generation to die and the new generation to mature. This is why we call salvation, there's a theological term for salvation. It's called regeneration. Because when we give our life to Jesus, there's another generation that rises up inside of us. It's a new person who's got a new way of thinking and a new way of living and a new way of believing. But the problem is that that is just a part of you and there's also another part of you. So are you, are you catching this? Because you got one person. You got the Israelites, but there's two people in the Israelites. The, the slave mentality and the free mentality. And so you've got, you got one person. You're one person, but in your one person live two people. Yeah, like one of them is holy. And that one just got holes. <laughs> you know, like one of them wants to help. It's the part of you that when you see someone struggling with something heavy, you're like, we should help. And there's another part of you that just wants. <laughs> no. <laughs> you got one part that's righteous and you got another part that's ratchet. <laughs> Both parts live in the same person. They, 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 they both live in the same person. And here's why that becomes a struggle when, when you got to make a decision. Because when you got to make a decision, you got two people trying to direct you in the way that you should go. And so this new person, he's strong and he's passionate and he's got power, but he's young. And guess who they give the job to when they're looking to hire somebody, the person with more experience. And guess who's got more experience in your life? The older you. And so when you're at work and, you, and, and somebody tries you, like somebody tests you, and, and you're like, and, and instantly you're like, there are two ways to handle this situation. <laughs> and there's a new you and there's a young you that's like, we ought to pray for our enemies. The Bible says pray for our enemies. <laughs> Come on, how many people have heard this you? He's like, we, we, need to, we need to lay hands on this brother. And then the other one starts jumping and you're like, no, 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 not lay hands like that. No, no. We need to pray for him. And, that, and, and that's cool, and we love that guy. But there's another person inside of us that says, uh-uh. And guess what? You know why he wins? Because he's got more experience. You've, you've, you've worked with him more. You feel like you can trust him more. He was the one that got you out of your divorce. The way he handled it, that was the way you handled it, and you got out of it. He was the one that got you through law school, the way you cheated and the way you fought and the way you thought about you. And so I'm going to just trust that guy because he's gotten me so far. I don't know if I can trust this new me. That's why the Bible says that the righteous shall live by faith and faith alone. Because I haven't seen you yet. I don't know if I operate in you, I'm going to keep winning. So I'm going to operate in the way I've always known to operate. And now you've got this battle going on. And what, how do we do? How do we resolve this battle? How do we win? Here you go. The wilderness. The wilderness is God's way to transition from one generation to the next. Because the wilderness shows you what went wrong. Yeah. The wilderness shows you what went wrong. And so that's why in the wilderness you feel like you're dying. Because a part of you actually is. The selfish part. The prideful part. The unbelieving part. The doubting part. The self-righteous part. That part of you is dying. But when that dies, believe me, there's another generation inside of you. And as that one dies, the other one matures. And maturity just takes time. It takes time to grow up. Nobody goes from four years old to 40 years old. It takes time. The other day, uh, Liz told me there was some wood in the back. We had just built a fence in my backyard, and I used we liberally. My dad built it. My father-in-law built it. I was in the backyard while it was being built. So we built a fence, and 
And uh, we got the spare lumber in the back. And my wife said, I don't want the spare lumber in the back anymore. Can you move it to the side of the house? So I went to the back and I grabbed the spare lumber and I moved it um, to the side of the house. And I, and I put it up in neat piles, like biggest to smallest, two rows. It was very, very nice. And, and I went inside and I thought I'd get some praise. And I didn't. She went outside and she looked at it and she came back inside and she said, what's that? I said, I put the every husband everywhere. You know that first second of confusion? All the husbands, come on. No, and we are like, but I did what you said. Every husband or boyfriend everywhere knows that feeling. We're like, but I could have sworn. You said move the wood. You know? So she goes, what was that? She goes, I said, I moved it. She goes, yeah, but you moved it right in the middle. You put it, you, you put it right in the middle of the yard. Did, did you not see anything wrong with that? And I'm just like, no. She goes, but people are going to walk by. They're going to see it. I wanted it up against the side of the house. I'm like, well, you never told me you wanted it up against the house. You said you wanted it moved, so I moved it. And she said, and she said, and she said, she said yeah, but I wanted it to look, to look neat and all that stuff. And I said, but did you notice? I said, how nice of a pile it was in. <laughs> Did you notice how nice of a pile? I put my biggest to smaller edge to edge. That pile, that pile is a masterpiece of a pile. And you know what she did? She goes, you know what? That's true. She said, because the old you would have just thrown that wood out there and scattered on the ground. I said, that's right, the old me would have. And she said, well, now this sounds like she's being sarcastic, but she really meant it in love and I received it as such. She said, well, it took you 10 years, but you got it. Hey, I'm about to preach. She's not my enemy, but we have an enemy. And when your enemy tries to remind you of how far you have left to go, you better take just one minute to remind him of how far you've come. I know I made a mistake, but did you catch me at church last Sunday praising the Lord, singing that song? I know I shouldn't have slept with him. That was bad. But this morning I was reading my Bible. Did you catch me reading my Bible? I know I should have believed God, and I'm sorry. But did you see me give him my first 10%? I'm sorry, devil. I might not be perfect, but I'm growing. I might have made a mistake, but I'm maturing. You call it losing? I call it learning. Call it learning. I'm growing. I don't care what you say about me. I'm not who I was. I'm maturing. And it's not a, here's what the devil's going to try and do. He's going to try and make it a matter of good and a matter of bad. And when he does that, you tell him, devil, it's not a matter of good. It's not a matter of bad. A matter of fact, it's just a matter of time. Before you completely lose your hold on me. Before the spirit man rises up and becomes who God called him to be. Just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. I want to speak to somebody who's been living in chains. Hear me. It's just a matter of time before the old you dies and the new you rises up. You just got to let them grow, you know? You just got to let them grow. It takes time to grow. And the best way to grow, by the way, is to focus on growing and not on dying. We live so much in our guilt, we forget that God's called us to advance. And so we got to do what Paul said. This much I do. Forget what is behind me and press on towards the goal. I'ma just grow. I'ma just grow. I'ma just grow. I'ma just grow. You want to be free? It takes time. You know what else it takes? If you want to be free, it's only going to be free if we do this together. We can do this together. 
You know, bondage is a lot like venom. Yeah, venom, you know, when a snake bites you, it's never the bite that kills you. Bondage is never the situation. It's the story you tell yourself from the situation. It's never what happens to you. It's what gets under your skin. It's what gets in your heart. And you know what got in the heart of the, Egyptian, of the Israelites? The Egyptians. A bunch of people around them telling them who they were and who they weren't for years. That's a negative community. You got to be careful with the people you surround yourself. They're going to make you think the way that you're thinking. But I'm grateful that a couple years ago they invented this thing called anti-venom. It's awesome. The irony is that it's actually made from venom. I think God did that for a reason. Why? Because if people were the cause, I think people can also be the cure. I do. I think if it was bad people that, that you got around that made you think the way you think, I think if you get around some good people that will speak life to you, I think so. I think you can find healing from the venom. That's why it says in James 5.16, James 5.16, that's okay, that paper, I was done with it anyway. Um, James 5.16, James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other and you will be, you go to God for forgiveness, but you go to people for healing. You know how they make anti-venom? They take a little bit of the venom, they put it in a horse. The horse then builds immunity towards it. Those immunities are called antibodies. And then it pulls the antibodies out of the horse and it purifies it and then they inject it in you. Now the antibodies, this is real key, the antibodies are just a small group of proteins. I said the antibodies are just a small group. Just a small group. The antibodies are just a small group. But if you get in a good small group, if you get just enough people, I told Liz the other day, because sometimes, you know, we, we really care about what we do. And sometimes we get a lot of flack and people criticize us. And I just told her, I said, you know what, babe? I don't need a lot of people in my corner. That's cool. I just need a, I just need a small group. I said, you love me? She goes, I love you, good. Justice, you love me? <laughs> I love you, daddy, good. Zan, you love me? You're the man. Awesome. <laughs> Mom, you love me? Vicky, you love me? You love me, David? You love me? Okay, cool. I don't need a lot. I just need a couple of people who believe in me. Just a couple of people who love me. Just a couple of people who will speak truth into me when the venom gets in my ears and when the venom gets in my heart. Just two or three people to say, you're not who you were. You're free. You're free. You're free. I see it in you. I know you don't see it, but I see it. And it's great because the horse was able to do it. Listen, because, because he got bitten, but he wasn't beaten. See, the best people around are the people who've been beaten, but they're not bitter. That's the best people to get around. Because, it, because if you get around some bitter people, they're gonna say, yeah, they bit me too. And then all you, you got a group of bitterness. But you gotta get somebody to say, yeah, they bit me too, but God brought me through it, and he's gonna get you through it. You need to get in a small group. Get in a small group, 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 get in a small group. Next week we do small group leadership development. You gotta get in it, you gotta get in it, you gotta get in it, you gotta get in it. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come, some leaders to come if you line up here. I'm gonna give you one last point. I said, freedom takes time, freedom takes together, and here's the last thing, freedom takes trust. Freedom takes trust. Trust, you gotta trust in God. Trust in God that what? That he's working through the wilderness. That he's working through the wilderness. You gotta, because sometimes, listen, if, as up here, it's just people, as up here. Sometimes it feels like you're going back the way you came. And even when it feels like you're walking back the way you came, you gotta believe that it's a new place God's bringing you to. Here's the verse, Deuteronomy 2.1. We read it, but we missed it because we read it so fast. Deuteronomy 2.1, 2.1. <clears throat> I'll read it on the paper if you don't have it. Deuteronomy chapter two, verse one. Then we turned back 
That's fine. Listen very carefully. Then we turned back and set out towards the wilderness along to the where? Where? To the where? To the Red Sea. Then we turned back and set out of the wilderness along the route to the Red Sea. Where did God just bring them out of? The Red Sea. You know, sometimes in life it looks like, didn't I just, I thought he delivered me from that. That's so why my heart breaks. That's why I get emotional. Because if somebody's sitting here, they say, I can't believe I'm still struggling with this thing. I thought he freed me. I thought he delivered me. Why does it look like I'm going back the way I came? If you feel like that today, I want you to shift your focus. Get your eyes off the Red Sea and get your eyes on the end of this passage. Look what it says. As the Lord had directed me. In other words, they stopped putting their trust in the direction. And they started putting their trust in the one who was directing See, we're people, so we only think in two directions, forward and backwards. And that's a dangerous, dangerous way to think because sometimes backwards is forwards. I know, I know, I just confused you. I'm just saying, in life we say this, you're either going forward or backwards, you're either going up or down. Have you ever heard a statement like that? Not in God's kingdom. Remember, he said the first shall be last, the last shall be first, the poor will be rich, the rich will be poor, the weak will be strong, the strong will be weak. He's got different rules in his kingdom. He's a little out there. And in God's kingdom, there's a third direction. The first direction is forward. The second direction is backward. There's a third direction. Toward. Now, toward is not a word that, is, that has a spatial context. It has a purposeful context. I'm, I'm trying my best to preach it like he showed it to me. I don't know if you'll get it, but here. See, Erica? I want to get to Erica. Now, I can, I can get to Erica forwards. I, 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 it doesn't look like I can get to Erica backwards. But if I'm heading towards Erica, it doesn't matter what direction I head in. Because in my mind, I already know where I'm going. When you do life with Jesus, sometimes toward looks like backwards. Because you don't know the end. But because God knows the end, this is your faith that no matter what direction you go, right, left, forward, backward, in God's kingdom, you're always moving toward. Always moving toward. Here's what this does for you. The next time you fall, the next time you falter, the next time you, you, you mess up and you, you end up with that guy you know you should have ended up with and you did it. Here's the faith to be able to get out of that bed and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I know it looked like I went backwards, but here's what I believe. I learned something and you are going to use this to move me toward. You're going to use this to move me toward. I know I shouldn't have spoke to my child that way. I'm sorry, but you're going to use this to move me toward. I know I shouldn't have handled my business like that, but you're going to use this to move me toward, 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 toward. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in this room today and you need to move toward Jesus. You've been in the wilderness for a long time. That's you and you want to give Jesus Christ your life. When I say three, I want you to raise your right hand to God as a signal. You need to take that first step knowing God. You need to take that first step of knowing God, getting in a relationship with him. And I want to give you that opportunity. It's a simple prayer. I'm going to start the journey towards freedom. If that's you, when I say three, you want to get out of here. Get, you want to get through here. You want to get through this. On three, 
You need Jesus in your heart because you've never taken that step before. Or you didn't, it was a long time ago. All over this place, raise your right hand if that's you. On three. One, two, three, right now, all over that building. Come on, I see your hand, 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 I see your hand. I see it, I see it, I see it. Amen. Put your hand down. We're going to pray with you. I want church, help us pray for all these individuals. I saw about seven or eight hands. I want you to help us pray for these individuals right now. Father God, I'm going to take my first step towards you. Jesus, come inside my heart. I give you all of me. Even when it feels like I'm moving backwards, I declare in faith today, I'm moving towards, towards what you have for me. My new life starts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.